Oh, today's daf is Nunbet, 52. We continue in the sugyot related to the boar. And, um, try to make it not, not too boring. Haha. Ha. Sorry, Rabbi Tov. Okay, anyway, um, we pick up at the bottom of, um, Nunalaf Bet. And we are dealing with the issue where the Mishnah said, if the first guy passes over the well, the boar, the pit, and doesn't cover it, and then the second guy doesn't cover it, our version of the Mishnah said the second guy is Chayev, others' version said the first guy is Chayev. But either way, the Gemara wants to know, like, if they really just both pass by it and neither does anything, then each one is negligent. So they should both be liable. So the Gemara has to set up the scenario where the first guy um, is, uh, can pass over the liability to the second guy of the Mishnah, that his liability ends. So the Gemara says two, two versions, either that he, uh, the second guy came and started using it, and that was enough to implicitly make the second guy responsible, or the second guy used it and the first guy gave over the, uh, the uh, cover of the well, and that clearly made it was a handing over of responsibility. So the Gemara now is going to turn to what that debate is about. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this, Kitanoi, um, we'll pick up there, it is five, eight, eleven Eleven lines from the bottom, line that starts with the word v'chad. V'chad amamishim shalodil yav. The one says when you leave the first, the second guy using it. The other one says when you leave, when you hand over the cover to the second guy. Kitanayim. Um, this is like this parallels the debate of tanayim. Hamidalem ayin abor. Somebody is drawing water from the well. Ubachaver of the amarlo, and the the offense says to him, Hanach livani edla. You know, let me take over drawing the water. Mayim kivanchi yinicho mishtameich patur. Once he left the left the second guy using the well, the first guy. Guy is uh, is exempt. He renounces any response. He like you know uh, it passes off any responsibility. No, it's not enough to leave the second guy using it. You're still responsible. Um, you have to wait around and cover it up yourself or whatever together with the second guy. Or you have to. Uh, but if uh, the only time you'll be exempt is if you explicitly or uh, directly hand over the cover to the second guy. That is a handing over of responsibility. Okay, but my committee, what's this debate about? So can somebody get that? I'm sorry. Um, um, yeah, there's no longer a, a, a button on the inside, so you have to... You want to open? You want to open? Ooh. There's a... Uh they recently installed it. Okay, so, Bavai Kamifugi, what's the debate about? Um, let's do it. All right, hopefully they'll be here by this soon enough. Okay, um... Where are you? Bavai Kamifugi, where are we up to? Um... So Beleza Ben Yaakov says, we are, there's Brera, which means, I am using the well, so we both jointly own the well, me and Michael here. Well, when I'm using it, I'm using, um, so am I using Michael's part of the well when I'm using it, or no, when I'm using it, I'm only using my part of the well, and when Michael's using it, he's only using his part of the well. So, <laughs> well, well, that's what I mean. No, I mean, when I'm using it, I'm using both parts. I'm using mine and Michael's, because you can't distinguish whose is whose. That's the natural thing to say if you say Ain Brera. Or do you say Yesh Brera, which means that no, when I used it, I, I was using sort of my half of it, and when Michael uses it, he uses his half of it. So, if you want to sort of say it more specifically, I drew the water that was mine, and he drew the water that was his. Okay? But it wasn't that we were sort of both always jointly drawing on, huh? using like, you know, something that was both of ours. So, if you say, why should that matter? If you say this Yesh 
prayer, which admittedly is a strange idea, but if in, particularly in this context, then that means that when I left Michael, I was first using it. I was only using my half. I left Michael, he was using his half. He never was using my half. So I never, there was nothing that ever made him take over responsibility for my half. When he used it, he used it. He was using the parts that he had rights to, but I never, he never took over. He was never accessing the part that was mine. So therefore, I don't, I don't get out of my responsibility. Only if I explicitly hand over the cover, you know, then that is a statement of here, you be responsible for covering the well. So then you're only responsible for half. So okay, that might be. So he fell into, he, he fell into Michael's half. No, well that's no. The brayer comes to the act of using it. When the animal falls in, the animal isn't deciding which half, and that would be shared, that responsibility. When he uses it, then we would say he's accessing his half. All right, so anyway, so it says, all right, so, and therefore, it's only, it only becomes Michael's respo- full responsibility when I hand over the cover. Um, no, there's no way of distinguishing. So when Michael's using it, he's using both of our halves, and therefore he is taking responsibility for the well. I'm Ravina, So actually, this debate here about you watching a well, it's a perfect explanation, what you just gave, and parallels another debate that the Rabbanan and Rebbe ben Yaakov has. Now, we taught in the Mishnah, if you have uh, me and Michael here, we're, we're partners in this field, and we got really annoyed at one another, so we each took a vow that we could, that I, that, that I took a vow he couldn't get any benefit from me, and Neder made the field, made my half of my property forbidden to him. He made his property forbidden to me. That's a very good attitude, right? As we're going into the three weeks, okay, trying to do a little keem of that. So we made we were no drehanazemizet. We can't go into our jointly held field because I will be benefiting from his half of the field, okay? No. When I go into the yard, I'm using the half of the yard that's mine. And when he goes into the yard, he's using the half of the yard that's his. It's not that there's a line down it. We're using the exact same part of land. Okay? But nevertheless, we say, I'm accessing my rights, and he's accessing his rights. And we're never actually using the, the, the ownership or the parts, that, you know, the rights of the person that, that, that owns the other half. Alright? So that's exactly it. When you use something that is being, that is owned jointly, to what degree are you using something that belongs to the other person or are you just accessing the parts that you have rights to? Um, okay. B'may Kamifli, what's the debate? It determines, it's like, it, 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 how you act determines what, ha- you know, sort of what was happening. Every person, that, every time you're using it, you're, you're accessing only your rights and not the other person's rights, your property and not the other person's, and therefore you're not violating the neder. For Abanan Savi Ain and the rabbi there isn't Brera, fine. Okay, and that's determined by this well as well. Well, this well as well. This as well, additionally, I really am not doing that on purpose. Um, <laughs> whether, uh, whether the using of it is the full taking over of it, or do you have to hand over the cover to implicitly be giving over responsibility? I'm Now, since we're talking about handing over the uh, cover as a way of handing over responsibility, we're going to talk about it as an act of Kenyan. You're selling a well to somebody. When you hand over, again, we're going to interpret this as cover, although again, I agree with Michael that the simple meaning of this is the, is the bucket. When you hand over the cover, kana, the other person takes possession. So now this is, and I will just warn you that we're going to do a series of statements here which make it sound like a new type of Kenyan which 
we're not familiar with. Normally, the way you take possession of property is keshestar or chazaka. But there are some times where you can hand over something which symbolically is giving over, you know, whether in order they giving over the keys mm-hmm. to the kingdom, right, you know, which is a symbolically of giving over the thing that controls it. Like, if I give you over the keys to the car, did you do a mashiach on the car, a hagbah on the car? Like, no. But symbolically, I have given you the thing that allows you to control and access, right, that piece of property. So it seems like there was so, so classic examples giving over the keys to the house or the cover to the well, right? So it's going to seem like that there was some early statements that that would be a type of a Kenyan. But the Gemara pushes back on that. The Gemara well, doesn't like it because that doesn't, I don't know. But the Gemara doesn't like it that maybe it would have just been a type of a like, a, you know, a like a, a Gmiris Das, right? Like it would have fallen into some generic category of things that have been established as norms, even if, you know, they don't fall into a formal definition. But anyway, but the Gemara pushes back on the, that. And the Gemara redefines all of these statements to not mean what, they, what they're sounding like they're saying. So let's take a look. Um, as soon as you hand over the uh, cover, you take possession. Hey, what's the case? Because it's ground, uh, land. Land is only acquired with Kesef Shar Chazaka. So if you pay the money, the money is the, uh, is the act that you take possession. If you're doing your Kenyan with use, you know, showing mastery through use, let that be the Kenyan. Um, so, and uh, it should have said, if it's the star, let it be the star. Anyway, what's the significance of handing over the cover? So, fine. You went in and you did use it. So, what's the issue of handing over the cover? In order for the Kenyan to be effective, the act of Kenyan, the seller has to say to, has to, say to you, okay, go ahead, do the act of taking possession, and then you'll take, and, and then that'll take possession, right? He has to sort of give you, give over the permission to do the act of take, taking possession. Once you handed over the cover, you don't have to say it explicitly. Giving over the cover is saying like, okay, I am now ready for you to go ahead and do that act of taking possession. So it's not really the act of taking possession. It authorizes you to do the act. Similarly, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi said, you sell a house to your friend. As soon as you hand over the key, you take possession. What's the case? If you paid money, then the money, or when you, uh, you know, already paid money, let that be the act of possession. If you did a chazaka, like you actually, you know, uh, made some improvement on the yard, you locked the door, or something of that nature. Well, right, but the key wouldn't be enough, okay? Okay? Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Okay. Let that be enough. So the Gemara says, Fine, you did some act of chazaka. But again, you need to be authorized. When you gave him the, the key, it's like you authorized him. Okay? So again, we're pushing back against the simple sense of these statements, which is that there's a new type of a Kenyan, which is handing over that thing that controls the object. No, that is only an authorization to now let him do a chazaka. But the Kenyan is only affected through the act of chazaka. So we are redefining these statements to turn them into authorizations rather than acts of Kenyan. Yes. Totally non-conceptual question. Yes. Isn't it just you at all to realize like they had locks with these? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I guess I was very familiar with that, but yeah. Their locks are ancient. Yep. There you go. Okay. How would they pray? I mean, you know, you would understand why that became a, a need at early on in society to protect your objects. Yeah. I guess you could have a lot of watchdogs or something. Yeah. Just a car driving would be good. That'd be considered like a. Yeah, that would be like a mashiach or something. Okay.
Okay, so um, I'm Reish Lakish. Similarly, Reish Lakish says, "Mishum Reb Yanai Hamoche Eder Lechaveru." You're selling a flock to your friend. Kevin Shemazalo Mashchuchis. As soon as you hand over the Mashchuchis, Kana, you take possession. Now we'll see what in a minute what the Mashchuchis is, but it has the word Mashok. It's something that causes the flock to be to, to be led and to be and to follow you. Okay, Hechi Dami. Okay, but big deal. Why does that do anything? Even Mashich, if you actually you know made the flock move, you you, you know you pulled them. Uh, physically or through leading them let that be the act if you did through like handing over the reins so now the reins actually sound similar to this but the masira is as it's connected to the animal if you like hand over the reins of the horse when it's on the horse that scene is like you're taking hold you're taking hold of the horse okay which is not what we're talking about here here we're talking no, about that. no but that's why Masira maybe is an like idea that gets close to this but Masira works only when it's attached to the animal so then you're but that's not a category we know yet the only category we know is actually physically moving the animal or holding on to something that's attached to the animal but it's directly connected to the object itself this is something that is not connected to the object so we don't know that's not a category that we have yeah, no, okay right so it's conceptually similar to Masira but the difference is that this is purely symbolic Masira is at least connected to the animal La'olam bin Mashiach fine Really, you're going to do the Kenyan through moving the animals. But, you have to authorize him to do that. But now that you've given him whatever this mashkuchis is, it's like you've already given him the authorization. So again, pushing back on all of these statements and saying they don't mean it, they're not really the act of Kenyan, they're just the authorization to do a traditional act of Kenyan. Now the Gemara says, my mashkuchis, what is this mashkuchis? Here, they translate it as a bell. You ring a bell that causes the sheep to follow. Rabbi Yaakov Omer Iza da Azla Bereish Idra. No, it's like the, uh, it's like the, uh, the, the, the right, the, the alpha goat, exactly. The goat that goes at the head of the flock, it's sort of like a, like a sheepdog, you know, and all the animals follow it. Like a certain Galilean, you know, explicated or gave a drasha, sermonized. Allah Rav Chizda, in front of Rav Chizda. Kadragi's Raya, when the shepherd gets mad, Al-Ana, on the flock, Avid Nagda Samusa. It makes the leader, the uh, head goat, blind. So if God wants to uh, punish Bnei Israel for our sins, it punishes the leaders, is the point. Okay. Um, by the way, Tosvos deals with the fact that, number one, in Baba Basra, the Rosh Bam actually seems to be saying the simple reading of this Gemara, that actually handing over keys to a house could be a form of Kenyan. So Tosvos got a problem with that because of this, the conclusion of this Gemara, but it's interesting that the Rosh Bam seems to actually embrace that as a, as a real possibility. There's also a sugi in the beginning of Psachim, though, which is when do you have a responsibility to do bedikas chametz if you're renting out your house? Um, and the Gemara there speaks about has the renter handed over the keys or not? But Tosu says that is not about the, the Kenyan, the owner. Thank you. The right, the owner. Right, all right. I meant the one renting, but you're correct. Oh, right. Yes, you're right. The owner has the owner. I was just doing a translation of maskier. Anyway, uh, has the owner handed over the keys or not? So Tosu says that is not about whether you actually the uh, the, the rent, when does the rent rental uh, period be Begin, like when have you done the Kenyan on renting the place but that's the simple point that you cannot obligate somebody to check their house
house for chametz if they don't have access to the house yet. Okay, so there, because there is a place where handing over the keys is significant, but that's in an area of halacha where the issue is having practical access. But Tosos, you know, uh, but again, it is worth noting that A, another Gemara speaks also about handing over the keys, and B, that the Rashbam, at least in one place, actually speaks about this as a type of a Kenyan, against the way the Gemara translated this to all just to be about authorization. Does it work the other way around? Like, let's say my lease is up, but, you know, I still have the keys, I have to give it back to the owner before he's obligated to check um, Interesting. Probably. I mean, that might be, that could very well be, but I don't know. Uh, we, okay. we noted it's a goat, right? What? We noted it's a goat. Yeah, so your point being what? Point being, that's what shepherds do. Like, you, they have sheep, but right. they need one Oh, I see. So the goat is still done today. Uh-huh. A goat is valuable because it acts as the leader of sheep. I see. Sort of like the idea of a sheep dog. So you know, you're not having yeah. a sheep leading okay. sheep. So sheep. You're having a different type of an animal. You're having a goat leading the yeah, sheep. Right. That's what goats do. Right. Okay. Very good. Um, okay. Um, now the question is like this. Kiso, who is that? Is that one of the maintenance guys? Okay. Um, we'll all just climb out the window if we can. Okay. There is a, let's go on. Next Mishnah. Okay. Next Mishnah. Kiso Arisho. Um, so we're back to the first and the second guy which guy's obligated so the first one covered it and then the second guy came and somehow it's gotten uncovered in the interim so now the second guy the first guy did his responsibility so now and the second guy who's also the owner now sees that it's exposed so that becomes now fully the second guy's responsibility I mean Nebuch he saw it but okay so the girl's going to ask at what stage does the first one become responsible again like when he becomes aware that it's been exposed or should he does he have to you know does he have to keep tabs on it you know if he could become aware that it was exposed is that enough alright but here we're not dealing with that we're saying that the second guy saw it so the second guy becomes responsible he needs to prove that he, the first guy that he actually covered it like the neighbor uh, oh, yeah I yeah, covered it and, you know, yeah you know that's an excellent question which I remember I was once learning with you know uh, Chaim Seiman uh, who's a uh, um, uh, legal scholar whatever also you know serious anyway and he was pointing out to me how you know, half of the law, cases in law, are not about, like, what the law is, but about, like, how do you, how do you establish proof about whether something happens or not, right? So, like, you know, exactly these types of questions are never asked, right? So, exactly who has, I mean, they're sometimes asked, you know, and so on, but you're right. Like, what level of proof does the first guy need to establish that he did the cover, and what level of proof do you have to prove that the first guy passed over and was present, and all those types of questions? Yeah, those are actually excellent questions. Okay. What? No, if the first guy covered it and the second guy didn't, the second guy saw it and didn't, then it's all the second guy's responsibility. But the second guy's now going to want to go back to the first guy and say, I don't believe you that you actually covered it. It doesn't matter. You, he used it afterwards. He was responsible to cover it. I want you to, but so what? I want you to, we're both responsible. I want to, why should I pay the full thing? You were also negligent. I believe that you were here and you didn't cover it. I don't understand the question. You're the second guy. You don't want to be fully responsible. I you, used to well. Yeah. It's Good. It's my responsibility to cover it. Well, I found it covered or uncovered. First of all, you didn't use it. It says you passed by it and you saw it uncovered. Okay? So you're right. This Gemara assumes that if the first guy didn't then the second guy pa- passed over it, that they're both responsible. The reason the first guy is exempt is only because the first guy covered it. So Rashi says this is different than the previous mission because the previous mission was assuming that the second guy used it or the second guy was handed over the cover and that made the second guy fully responsible. This mission is 
assumes that if the first guy hadn't covered it, then the, they would be shared responsibility, right? So that's true. The, the simple case is, first guy passes over, doesn't cover it. Second guy passes over it and doesn't cover it. They're both equally responsible. So here, the first guy's saying, I got out of it. I covered it. So Michael's like, yeah. But the second guy would like the first guy to, uh, to be responsible together with him. Okay, but if the first guy covered it, he does get out of it, and then the second guy becomes responsible. Okay. Um, if the second guy saw it uncovered. Otherwise, nobody's responsible. Everybody's an honest. Okay, Hasheni Chayev. He saw Karoy, and if it was covered properly, and knocks her donkey fell into it, mace and died, patur. You're exempt because, you know, you covered it. Um, Loki saw Karoy, if you didn't cover it properly, then obviously you'd be chayim. So it's not just the act of covering, it has to be a res- covering that was appropriate to w- withstand, you know, uh, p- um, uh, people, animals walking over it. All right. Novel. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, here's a good way of covering it. Let's just put some uh, some sticks and some branches, make it a perfect trap. Okay. But I covered it anyway. Okay. So the rest of novel is fun of me now. Novel is fun of me. Chayav. If the animal fell forward because it hurt somebody in the well in the well digging and that sh- and that sort of startled the animal and fell, then the owner of the well is chayav. Even if the person digging is not the owner of the well. Right? Why don't you sort of say, why, 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 why doesn't everybody get off the hook here? The guy who was digging would say, yeah, it fell because of me, but that's just like a grumma benizikin, right? I, it's not my well. So, okay, it had, I'm sorry it had an accident. I didn't directly damage it. And the guy who owns the well could say, yeah, it fell, but that wasn't my fault. It, my, my well didn't make it fall. Like, my well didn't damage it. It fell into the well because of this other guy's uh, digging. But you don't say that. The actual, even though it's the sound of the digging that startled the animal, the owner of the well is still seen as having done the damage the, and, and, it says, and therefore even though again it's not that the wealth is all by itself caused the animal to fall in and the owner of the well is Chayev okay so if however the animal fell backwards into the well because of the sound of the digging patur then the owner of the well is exempt which is pretty interesting we'll see why so this is a famous issue the issue we've been dealing with for the beginning of the Masechet that sure below you know sure uh, uh, so if the ox fell in and its vessels broke, vessels here doesn't just mean the load it's carrying, it would mean like the yoke, or you know, those types of things that are naturally on the ox, they break, broke, or the ox fell, or the donkey fell in, hey, thank you, or the donkey fell in, and, the, and, the, and, and its saddlebags tore, that's why it uses the word tore here, because the donkey classically has saddlebags, you're, you're liable for the animal and you're exempt for the vessels, um, because that's the standard halal that you're exempt for vessels in the well. Novel atocho, sure of the chayr shot of the katan, let's say an ox that is, what? Yes. Let's say an ox that is, not owned by, but an ox that is a chayr shot of the katan, at least whatever, that's the way the Gemara is going to translate it, okay? Because then you are, then you are chayav, you are liable. Ben ubas evedoama, if however, these people that are mentioned specifically in a different category by the, uh, what do you call it, by the, um, by the uh, goring ox, if it's right, a, a a child or a slave, then you are patur. We don't treat them as a different category, as if a, as if a you know whatever standard person were to fall in. Um, you're exempt by the well. You are exempt on the injury of people, right? And the chiddush here is the chiddush of the last part, at least, is that you shouldn't say the reason a well you're exempt by people is because people should be responsible for themselves. But maybe if it's a child, maybe you should be chayav. That's a pretty good argument. Or you don't say by a slave 
well, let's just treat a slave as property. And therefore, it's like damaged property. So there is actually both a chiddush of the idea of children and slaves that they do both still fall into the exemption of the, injur- of the death of people to which, um, to which you are exempt. Okay, we will get back to, of course, the, short, the act that is a chiddush of a katan. Okay, now let's take a look at the Gemara. So there's a lot in this Mishnah. So the Gemara says, the Rishon at Amos Mister. So the second guy, he covered it, um, and then the, uh, the first guy covered it, and then it got exposed, and then the second guy saw it in Zchayev. At what stage um, do we expect the first guy to also, to, you know, to, to, to re, reignite his, uh, his responsibility? Like, the, at what stage do, can we say you should have found out at that stage that it had been exposed, and you had to go back and do something about it? You don't remain exempt for the rest of your life. If you had heard that it got exposed, then you become responsible again. So the Gemara says, Amarav, he has to actually have enough time. I mean, there's different ways of reading this. I'll read it Tosis' way. Okay, Tosis says, he, he, we can expect that he found out about it. There was enough time for him to know about it. People were talking about it. You'd expect by now you must have got word that it was exposed. And if and I, we don't really care. That gets to also your point, Michael. Nobody has to prove that you heard about it. Once sufficient, the right, a sufficient amount of time has passed that you should have heard about it, you become you responsible. Okay, took a business trip. Um, okay, maybe if you could prove that you're awake, then it wouldn't be b'chdei Given where you were, and given our normal expectations for the word to get to you, right, then, um, then at that stage you become chayv again. B'shmol amar b'chdei uhu. So the way, this is the way, um, this, uh, this is, the, the way Tosus explains this is, it's not just enough time for you to hear by the grapevine. There has to have been actually enough time, or maybe actually in fact, that you were informed of it directly. People said, oh, this is Michael's well. Somebody better go and tell Michael that there's a problem with his well. Because if you just hear rumors by the grapevine, that maybe doesn't create enough of a sense of obligation, right, of imperative to go do something about it. No, there has to have actually been enough time to get the message to you, to inform you. Um, uh, he has to have not just enough time to find out, but he's got to have enough time to find out, hire workers, make a new cover, and cover it up. And the this year is that well okay I mean if that's literally what you would need to cover it up how could you be liable before that before that you're an honest and the answer is uh, no before that you should hire watchers to watch it you know and people to put these those, those orange triangles and stand by it until you can get the cover made so interesting questions of like what is your degree of responsibility how much do you have to have a clear knowledge that it actually is true yeah I heard reports I didn't give them any weight and how much do you have to act immediately to do something or can you have the time to actually do the, the best fix and you don't have to worry about the interim. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. If you covered it and then the ox or donkey fell in, then you're exempt if you covered it properly. I don't get it. If you covered it properly, how did anything happen? You know, accidents do happen, but you know, you could have said like, I don't know, Ruach Shein or something like that, but let's see what the Gemara says, right? So, it rotted from within. Literally, it became wormy from within. Right? If you put, if you knew that it was rotting, if you put on some type of a thing that clearly was old wood or whatever, then it's not karoi. Or let's say you put on something that you knew could would be good for a week, or you should have known, but that after a week might not live, you know, might not stay firm after a week. Then after a week you become responsible again. So it has to have been that something happened that from you did everything you 
knew you were responsible to, but there's something that happened that you could not have known about. Termite. That termite, and there was no way, presumably, you could have known about that. Okay. Um, by the way, I guess after one stage I have to mention this, because we keep on thinking about manhole covers. Apparently, I was told that when at IBM, when they used to interview people for a job, you know, one of the questions they would ask them, just to see how they would think, would be, why are manhole covers round? So, anybody have any guesses what the proper answer is? Well, if you know the answer. I always thought it was because like a manhole is, is cylindrical because that's like more efficient use of space because a person is, is cylindrical. So why do you want to make a square? You have, you I know, but, oh, that's interesting. Apparently the answer is there's no way you can put a round manhole cover on incorrectly. Right, if it's square, right? Well, I understand. That could be true about anything. What do you mean? No, no. Oh, right, because yeah. because if you did it, right, because then you could do an angle. If you did a square, right, that's a, that's a variation of that. Because if you did a square and you put it at an angle, it would fall in, right? Okay, anyway. Um, so, right, that's probably a better, clearer way of saying that point. Okay, anyway, so, it rotted from within. Ibailu, they asked the question. Let's say you put it a cover on that it could withstand oxen but not withstand camels. The Azugmalim the Aruha and camels walked over it and uh, weakened it. The Azushvarim Vinaflube and then oxen walked on it and they fell into it because now it had been weakened. My, are you liable or not? So the Gemara says, Ami Hechidami, what's the case? Um, if it's an area in which camels are common, then posheahu. Then it's a negligence, and you should know a, ca- a cover that can't withstand camels in a place where camels are present is not a good cover because I can expect that there will be camels and it'll get weakened, and then oxen will fall in. Okay, so posheahu. Uh, if it's a place that you normally shouldn't expect camels, anasu. Then you did do everything you should do. You didn't have no need to expect that there would be camels. Lo occasionally camels come since they occasionally come you're negligent you should have anticipated that it will eventually happen they're not here now and you don't have to sort of anticipate you know uh, unusual occurrences even if they do happen occasionally so then honestly you're an honest now I do have to tell you I don't really I mean I do understand the question but I don't understand why it's different than any other question of what constitutes karoi because normally, right, the Gemara has a concept of like a Ruach Mitsuya and a Ruach She'en Mitsuya and degrees of how common something is. So, you know, let's say you said, I mean, let, you know, if camels never come, then that's like a, a total Ruach She'en Mitsuya that's in the ca- category of Anas. If they sometimes come, you know, that's somewhere between Ruach Mitsuya and Ruach She'en Mitsuya, right? I mean, so like in any type of a question of how good of a cover, it's how much you have to anticipate, you know, possible occurrences that are not common but happen eventually I mean maybe that is just what the Gemara is saying except since we're talking about a cover and we're not talking about a offense rather than talking about a Ruch Mitsuya and Ruch Eina Mitsuya we're talking about Gemolim Mitsuya and Gemolim Shein Mitsuya but it's just a question of like what is the degree of you know of, of Shmira that is needed yes I get if you're talking about a type of bore which is like a, a heap of something or a package looks like right. that actually Bo wrote that a cistern yeah 
there's something that's fundamental I don't I don't get like people would own Bo Rhodes or Futura Beans like, well right I mean I don't know I mean if, if that I don't you're right like normally I mean you normally the assumption is you shouldn't have been doing it but you can get out of liability if you covered it but the other possibility is we're talking about a bore in your show that's at the edge of Rosh Rabim so it's one or the other but right you're, if we're talking about a bore in Rosh Rabim then, it, then it's true we're going around this whole conversation about covering to get exempt of responsibility in a context where you really weren't allowed to have been doing it in the first so place yeah. That, right? yeah. Like yeah right right yeah hello I don't know is it, is it comparable to the Rosh Hashanah because the, the question here is if the Gamal weakens it and the shore falls in right it's not if the Gamal weakens it and the Gamal falls in no I understand but I'm just looking at the Gamal as a type of a Ruach okay. like if I made a fence in front of my cow and um, and you know and my ox right and then some type some type a, a very unexpected wind that would knock down the fence I don't have to be concerned about a common wind that would I would something that's in the middle that's a question so I just see the, the camel as a type of a wind that's blowing down my, my cover it's indirect because the camel's not the camel's not blowing it down the camel's just weakening it and something smaller is falling through it which is even, even more removed from uh-huh. a direct relation Maybe right. I still don't exactly see it. And if a win- an uncommon wind came and it weakened the fence enough that now my ox could break through the fence, I don't know. To me, it seems like a very much parallel. And you know, I just want to remind everybody that we have like three tend to have three levels, right? We tend to have poshea, you know, anus. Right, so this is like this is a this is considered like a ruach mitsuya, right? This is a normal level of shmira. This is like you know shmira pachusa, right? And then you've got you know, and, and then you've got this whole thing, right? Then you've got this whole thing called like like if it was shomrim, you'd have this thing called gneva v'aveda, right? So if you did a shmira meula, right, you're present, preventing it against gneva v'aveda, and anything higher, you know, is considered a ruach sheina mitsuya, right? Right, an honest is a rosh ainamitsuya, right? But you know, but let's say you know, let's say you did something that was enough to protect it from a ruach. You know, if you did enough to stop, anyway, whatever. There's three levels. So I just so normally to me, this whole question, if only the most honest can happen, then obviously you're, you did it so much that only an honest could happen. Obviously, you're exempt, right? And if you did it less from something that's very common obviously you're a poshea but if you did it enough to whatever you know there's always that middle category that you want to be asking about yes the teva has changed today bovines are larger than camels oh really that's very interesting okay so anyway that's the first question middle level likelihood of camels coming of they might come sometime in the future it's not impossible but it's not common okay are you going to be responsible okay so the verse says like this look she could also talk me I mean keeping the asking the proking poshea it should have occurred to you. Oh dear, or do we say, oh dear, since they're not here now, then you have no responsibility for them, and as long as you address the immediate present concerns, and this is not a likely thing, you don't have to worry about it. Tashma, come in here. You covered it properly, and then they, and then your are Hey, what's the case? You did it completely properly for oxen and camels. Hey, how did anything happen? We're ignoring the answer we gave before 
sure about that it rotted. Elulav karoy l'shvarim v'lo karoy l'gmalim. It must be that the chiddush in the Mishnah is that it was karoy, but not a hundred percent. It was good for ox, but it was not good enough for camels. The idushchigmalim. Now, if camels are are, pre- are prevalent, am I potter? Then you shouldn't be exempt. Poshel, you're negligent. These are lo shchigmalim, and if they're not prevalent, pshita. We're back to the point that obviously you're exempt. Anasu elulav for the Mishnah to be a chiddush. Like what's the chiddush? What's the case that you covered it properly? And A, how did something happen? And then why are you exempt? So the only way to explain it is the Asi and camels occasionally come. And they came, they weakened, and then oxen came. So that's how, even though you did a good job, so an, an, an ox fell in because camels weakened it. And the Chiddush is that you're exempt because even though it wasn't, it wasn't because because even though camels would come occasionally, you did what you needed to do. Viktani Potter, you're exempt. Alma came in the Hastaleka. Since there are no camels right now, Anasu, you're an Anas. So you see that's a good way of explaining the context of the Mishnah where so, uh, something could have happened you did the, what you needed to and nevertheless the animal fell in and nevertheless you're exempt because it was a camel that came and that was a case that was not Shriyach no the case would be that you did a completely good one both for ox and camels you want to know how did it fall in it rotted from within again the Gemara could have said Pshita but alright anyway so we're back to that if it's rotted from within so it's not relevant for our question. Tashma. So now we're going to try to say the exact same thing in the opposite direction from the second case of the Mishnah. You didn't cover it properly. And the animal died. What's the case? You really didn't do anything that was sufficient from any measure. So pshita, um, obviously you're chayiv. Tzricha lemeimer, you had to chayiv. That's some you're chayiv. You really didn't cover it. Elulah karoli shamlo karoli gmon. The chiddush is is that you did something which was a uh, 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 you know a minimal type of a, of, of a covering. It was good for oxen and not good for camels. And you would think, oh, I, at least I covered it. And the mission is telling you that is not karoi. Okay. Now hechi dami. What's the case? Idish hechi gmalim. If camels are prevalent, poshehu. Obviously that's not karoi. And we're back to our point that the that the mission is obvious. And if they're not prevalent, then you you actually should be exempt. And Allah must be our case. They come occasionally. The camels came and they weakened it, and the oxen came and they fell in. The Ketani Chayev, you're Chayev. So again, we wanted to say that was the initial case in the mission that you're Potter. Now we're saying this is the case in the mission that you're Chayev. It says you did a Karoy, you did a Shalo Karoy, but if you really were irresponsible, it's obvious. So it doesn't mean you were totally irresponsible. It means it was not fully Karoy because you did not protect it against camels, and camels were somewhat to be expected. They weren't Shiach, but they occasionally came. And that's not fully Karoy. Alma, Kivin Dasin Leprokim, you see that since camels come occasionally, Posheahu, the mission is telling you that's not, that's not fully appropriate. That's not fully Karoy. It should have occurred to you. So the says, no! Le'olam, really, Karoy Lishram, Lokaroy Ligmolim, Vishlich Gmolim. Really, it was not responsible. It was fit for oxen, but not fit for camels, and camels were common. So essentially, you could have re- expected it to break because camels were common. But you want to know, Posheahu, isn't this obvious? 
if you did something that really was negligent, so why does the mission have to tell you you're chayev? If it really was not a good covering, of course you're chayev. So no, I need enough. You're right, it is obvious, but since the beginning was telling you if you did a good job, you're putter, even if it rotted and something happened, the end of the mission tells you if you did a bad job, you're chayev, even though that's quite obvious because it was a clear case of negligence. Okay, so and hun. Okay, one minute. So let's just stop there. David, you had a question? Yeah, is there any difference whether the person actually uh, witnessed the camels walking over here? Yeah, that would be, if the person witnessed the camels, that would be like the case back in the mission where the second guy passes by and sees that it's, uh, it's uncovered. Then once you've seen that and you have a reason to expect that that could have weakened it, then you would become Chaya. Okay, so that's, one dis- that's a discussion where the Mishnah obviously doesn't prove any of it because we're reading everything into the Mishnah um, and we don't know. Igadami, now some say, Hanami vade lo You know what? That was never a question. Vikivan da asin leprakim, since camels occasionally come, posheahu. You're clearly posheah. Obviously, if it's something that occurs with a reasonable likelihood, even if it's not right now in front of you, right? Even if it occurs once in the week, but it still occurs once a week. And so therefore, how can you say you're done with your responsibility? You know that the likelihood is that once a week some camel will walk over this. Okay, that makes sense. It should have occurred to you. Right, we don't say about, oh, you don't have to start speculating. I guess part of the Gemara's question here is, is that like, you know, it's like not like everybody is a... Uh, statistician. You know, people are common people. So the question is obviously if we took a step back and we said, look, you're going to keep it covered and think you're going to be exempt for the rest of the week but obviously camels, there will be a few camels that will walk on it during the week. How could you say that you've exempted yourself from your responsibility? So it seems the response is, like how much can we expect from the common person, right? A normal person who uses a well, most people think about what they see immediately in front of them. It doesn't, you know, they don't stop to say one minute it's actually true that a few times during the week there are camels in this Rosh Hashanah so even though from some like objective perspective there was negligence because that is a reality that's going to occur during the week maybe it's not something we could realistically expect for you to think about that seems to be what the issue of the Gemara was maybe that partly also addresses my whole question about the Ruach Mitzuyah and Eina Mitzuyah it's not always an objective question of how much is the thing protected it's what is it reasonable to demand for you to be thinking about and then the Gemara says you know what I'm sorry it's you're well you have to be thinking about those things even if you, you know you can't just say well I didn't see any, any, any camels around that becomes your responsibility to anticipate and think about those things so you are a poshaya we you know yes no. yeah, right exactly okay so if you decide to own a well you become responsible to think about what things might happen okay so you are a poshaya you should be thinking about it um, what was our question this was the question. It can withstand oxen, cannot withstand camels. And camels are common. So you are clearly negligent. You're not just negligent for camels. You're negligent for oxen, right? Because you are putting in a place where you know that camels will walk over it and weaken it. So you actually are putting on a cover that is not even being responsible for the ox and the, for the ox that walks through Shisarampin. But what happened? 
It didn't get break because of the camels. It broke because it because it rotted from within. It got termites from within, which you had no reason to know about and to be responsible about. Okay, so here is the question of if you were negligent from one direction, but something happened that caused it from a completely unrelated area that caused it to break, do we still say that fundamentally you were negligent regarding this bore? Or do we say, no, what actually happened in practice, you were an honest. Okay? I don't know about that comparison. What it is similar to, and what this big tosis is about, is a discussion about when you start out being negligent about something, and then something that happened that was that 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 wasn't directly your act of negligence was an honest. So that's more what this is like. And Tosos tries to figure out why this isn't that same conversation. Okay, so that's the question. Ma, what? Hatla is only yeah. That's clear from the Gemara from the very outset that you know that it's you're not considered to have something that you could should be able to anticipate or maybe even have a way of detecting. Okay, although the Gemara will later talk about maybe you need to do regular inspections. Okay, but at this stage we're considering hatla onus. But do we say look, it's not about the cover; it's about the bore. You were negligent about this bore, and then in the end something happened. That's the end. Of, that's all I need to know. Or do we say no? The way it fell in, if you directly look at, did this person fall in as a result of your negligence? he did not fall in as a result of my negligence right another way about looking about it is sort of like a we don't have to establish your negligence you dug the well you're chayav in order to get out of the chayav you have to establish that you did a sufficient shmirah and as long as you can't say that you did a sufficient shmirah, then you're just high for everything because it's your well, right? So there's, you know, even if, so it's not like a question of like, were you negligent for the guy falling in? Were you negligent for the cover breaking? It's like, as long as you haven't done a kaisahu karoi, right, then you're high regardless of what at the end of the day is the reason somebody fell into it. All right, so anyway, that's the question. The person fell in having nothing to do with where your negligence laid in terms of the covering. Okay, so what do we say? Because you are negligent regarding camels, that translates as negligence by the rotting. It's not real negligence, but once you're negligent, you're liable, even though the even though the rotting had nothing to do with your negligence. Or do we say, we don't say because of this, then that. We say at the end of the day, no, if actually it broke having nothing to do with your negligence, you're exempt. So, Tashma, come in here. Now again, we're going to try to prove it from the mission, where the mission doesn't say any of this, and we're going to try to read it into the Mishnah. Kisel Karoi, you covered it properly. Okay, and an animal cone, you're exempt. It rotted from within. Now we're going to question that statement. What's the case? It was totally fit cover. And it rotted from within. Of course you're exempt. You're an honest. What's the Chiddush? So Elalav, if there's a Chiddush here, and it's a case of rotting from within, this must be the Chiddush. Karoi L'shem below Karoi L'gmolim, that it was not a proper cover for camels. The Shri Gmolim, and the camels were, were, were prevalent. V'yitliya mitochav, and in the end it rotted. So the Chiddush is, even though the rotting is an honest, you might think you should be chayev because of your negligence, because of the camels, and that's not a basis for making you chayev. The Ketani Pachter, you're exempt. Alma, so the point of the mission would be saying, according to this, that just because you're negligent for the camels that doesn't make you responsible for the rotting at the end of the day the rotting isn't on us okay so if you save the case of the case of rotting to make it more of a chiddish let's say it's this case about the negligence for the camels 
So the Gemara says, no, no, you don't have to introduce this negligence in the camels thing. It was completely fit for all animals. And it rotted. Or I keep on saying rotted, but the real point is that it was termites. Okay? But your question is, I don't get it. If it got wormy, what, that's what I'll say. If it got wormy, what should you have done? Obviously, you're an honest, right? Well, if there was, so what's the chiddush of the Mishnah? If it was just that it got termites? No. Maybe that's not an honest. I might think you have to do regular inspections. You have to come and you have to bang on it periodically to see if it still like makes the right sound or is it indicating that it's been you know eaten away from within inside hollow okay Kamash more that you don't have to which is a good question like why don't you have to yeah. right but uh, why, why don't I it's ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know how often do you inspect your house for termites you I know <laughs> no, seriously yeah like a house a homeowner yeah like I, I got for rent about everything like, alright that's you I look at the roof all right. Anyway, then we would have to figure out what would be the, what. Then we'd have to figure out how frequently once a, once a year. I mean, it was good solid wood, you know. But okay, fine. Kachma, come in here. Loki The second part of the mission. Now we're going to try to read all this into the second part of the mission. Okay, that if it wasn't appropriate, you're chayiv. Hechidami. What's the case? It was obviously not an appropriate cover. You have to tell me. Obviously, you know, you're you're negligent. So that the end of the mission should be a chiddush, we must say the case is that it was fit for ox and not for camels. And if camels are common, again we're back to the obvious point that obviously you're chayv. It's obvious negligence. And if they're not common, then obviously then then why should you be chayv? You're not negligent. It must be that camels are prevalent, but so that but but it, there's still a chiddush. What's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is the Shrikig Malim V'itliya Mitochal that it got wormy V'ktani Chayev so if it's telling you if you didn't do it appropriately you're Chayev for that to be a Chiddush let's say that's our case okay that, it, that you were negligent for camels and camels were prevalent but in the end it got wormy and the Chiddush is that that's considered not a sufficient cover You see you say because you're Chayev for this you should be Chayev for that once you were negligent you're Chayev across the board Mesh says, Amri, lo, no, that's not necessarily what the Mesh is talking about. The Mesh is talking about that it was uh, that it was not fit for camels. And the camels weakened it and the oxen fell in. Okay, and then the whole thing is obvious because you were negligent because you could have expected all of that. You're saying that's obvious. You were negligent. No, I did not see Because in the end, we talked about a case of a fit cover, we talked about a non-fit cover, but the end of the mission does not have to be a case of uh, a chiddish. The very fact is, you were just negligent, and that's why you're chayiv, end of the story. So we do not know yet the story, that if you're negligent for one way that it could break, if you're chayiv for an honest way in which it breaks. One minute, let's see, the Gemara is now going to come to a conclusion, and let's see how happy we are with this conclusion. Toshma, come in here. Now we are going back to the going to go what the end of the mission was. An ox that is a cheroshota or a cotton ox. Yeah. Yes, I was that was I was waiting for Dove. I told you Dove has been waiting this whole masechet to use to say oxymoron. So I told Dove when we talk about the ox that's a shota, you can talk about the oxymoron. Okay. So you have an ox that's a cheroshota or a cotton or a suma umahalik or the ox is blind 
or it's nighttime. Why is all this true? Because the Gemara is going to say, this is going to shock you, right? All, this whole time we've been talking about oxen, about all these exemptions for the well. If a person dies, if a, if a vessel breaks, the one case that's high is that an ox falls in. The Gemara is going to say, you know what? That when that happens in the daytime, you're exempt. If the, if the, if the hole was, expo- was, op- was, op- was exposed. Because then the ox should have seen it. Why is an ox walking into an open hole? I mean, ox look down and they look where they're going. So the only way you're going to be high of for your, for your pit is either if it was nighttime and the ox couldn't have seen it, or the ox was blind, or the ox was a chayr short of a katan, or I guess you did one of those like, you know, fake covers that, you know, they get what? It's a wee cover, or it's a camouflage cover. Okay, so now we're going to find out that a classic ox that falls in a well in the daytime, you're exempt. Alright? But if it is a chayr short of a katan ox, or it's blind, or it's nighttime, chayr. Pikeach, if the ox was a smart ox, okay, umahal, the yom and it was the daytime putter alright now Ramai, why you putter Neymar why don't we say since you were still negligent with this well for the oxen that would fall in at nighttime and the oxen that were blind and all these other oxen so there was some general negligence still about leaving this well exposed so you're also negligent for this type of a falling in so why do you get off you weren't negligent here you have a well that wasn't covered and that should be just an across the board liability who cares that you weren't negligent when it was the ox it was daytime and the ox could have seen it right why don't we just say once there was some negligence here you have an across the board liability so you see, you don't say migo. That's a good proof. Now, the problem with this proof, as Tosus points out, is Tosus says this has nothing to do with it. The reason that you are exempt when an ox that you know, if a normal ox, I always tell, I, I keep on telling you this story, right, about this time that I went horseback riding, and this person said to me, like, we saw these guys on these dune buggies, and she said, I would never want to go on a dune buggy. I said, watch this, a dune buggy can go off a cliff. A horse is not going to go off a cliff. So anyway, so like, so if an ox normally is, doesn't fall into a well, looks where it's going, and this ox did, it's not like you say, oh, I wasn't negligent in that case. Tosa says, what you would say is, the ox did it to itself. But the idea of a boar is that the boar made something like, you know, trip, right? It served as a hazard, right? Here you would say, this was a stupid ox and it did it to itself. It like committed suicide like a normal, like it sort of used this boar to kill itself, okay? You know, I'm serious. That's what you would say if the ox was a smart ox. It wasn't just that I wasn't negligent. It was that it was mazik itself. My, uh, my well wasn't the, the mazik of the, of, the, of the ox. That's very different when I did a cover that wouldn't have worked for camel and then it rotted. At the end of the day, it got exposed and some animal fell in and got hurt. And that's classically what a boar does. So that's the case where you could say, well, maybe I wasn't negligent for this scenario. I don't care if you were negligent for that scenario. You were negligent in general. Okay? But it's very different than this case where the ox actually, you know, is seen as like throwing itself in. That's how we would think so about the it. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, so Tosa says that this is a weak comparison, but nevertheless the Gemara does come to this conclusion that you, we do not say you have across the board liability. You're only liable for the scenarios you were negligent for, not for the ones that you were not negligent for. But I have to tell you in, in my mind, the idea that you should be across the board liable makes a lot of sense. It starts by being your well. It starts by the fact that you're high of. 
to get out of your liability, you have to do a cover, a covering. If that covering was not a fully responsible covering, right, we go back to, we don't say, well, you were negligent for falling in this way. We go with the fact that you, you're liable for the board until you do a good covering, you remain liable. You don't think no, so? it's just the opposite. The plaintiff always has the burden of proof. No, that's a burden of proof question. Here we know what the facts are. to prove that, that, that the person's negligence causes injury. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that if, it's, if the negligence, if the narrative began with you didn't cover the well, then it would be a question of, were your negligence of not covering the well lead to this person's injury? But the narrative doesn't begin there. It deals with digging the well. Then does that create a strict liability of everything that happens in this well until you have completely neutralized its danger? That, I see that there's a good way of thinking about that. You've dug it. You have strict liability until you've neutralized it. Right. If I can prove that you did not do enough inspections and it was rotty. No, but that's when your lack of inspections is connected to what happens. Right. But here we're saying, whether it's connected or not connected, can we say you have strict liability until you've neutralized the danger? So yeah. I'll, you 